All that's left is the memories of Kawhi's legacy. His Raps fans listen to sad music today and cry. Remembering the year of Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard deciding to sign with the LA Clippers in a four-year, $142 million contract. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski has come through with a massive report on the details of what exactly went down last night between the Clippers, Raptors, and Oklahoma City Thunder. All-NBA wingman Paul George signed a four-year contract extension with the Thunder just last summer, but according to Woj, Kawhi Leonard was actively recruiting him, and eventually George went to the Thunder last week and asked for a trade. It was a wild, dramatic night of negotiations. Sam Presti, Oklahoma City's general manager, was leveraging the Clippers and the Raptors off each other on Paul George, trying to strike deals with both teams and getting each to up the ante. Well, uh, you know, stunned, stunned to say the least. Uh, the Paul George part is what's stunning. I say enjoy the championship. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green were both traded here. Danny Green in particular was sort of just a victim of circumstance. Each of them came to Toronto and delivered. So at least it's not LA, right? Like small victories at this point. This is Free Association. I am Donovan Bennett. I'm going to look at this with the glass more than half full <laughs> with J.D. Bunkus. I'm not sure how he's going to look at it. It's complicated. I think everybody's complicated today. It's not a Facebook status. It's a free agency decision. <laughs> it is. It doesn't invalidate what happened, but it's definitely a gut punch. The timing of it, too. Do you think the timing is better or worse than just having a regular middle of the day in the middle of the sports cycle moment to wake up to it or to, as I was, be out with some friends at a bar and this dude leans over and says to me on a patio, Kawhi is gone. <laughs> just crushed. And I didn't want to believe him. I just wanted to say, and it's probably a fake account, buddy. There's no way. It's 2 a.m. And he shows me the, the blue check mark. Wojnarowski, Clippers, crushing. Well, the first blue check mark was Chris Haynes, who broke Gordon Hayward and people hated. He was real quiet through all this quiet news where everyone was saying what they thought or what they heard or what was going to happen or what percentage chance something was about to happen. Haynes was super quiet in the weeds, and then he got this, and then Woj added to it with it was not just Kawhi signing with the Clippers, but it was Paul George going as well. I think the when it happened, the fact that the biggest earthquake at Summer League was not an actual earthquake, but it was Kawhi signing uh, adds to the lore. Mm. The fact that we knew nothing about Paul George being involved. And really, if we look at the, the conversation, the Clippers weren't in it. Not in the sense that they weren't in the actual conversation. Clearly, they were. They weren't in our conversation. It was, oh, I guess he must be going to the Lakers. Then it was, oh, I guess he must be staying with the Raptors. And finally, he decides with the league literally waiting Players can't play in summer league because they don't necessarily know if trades are going to go through. We're going to break this down. There isn't much to break down in terms of basketball. The Clippers are infinitely better, but let's break it down in a couple stages. One, what this means for the Raptors. Two, what this means for the Clippers and really Los Angeles. And three, what this means for the league. Because I do think that there are different implications and unintended consequences that ripple all throughout the league. First with the Raptors, what does it mean? Well, first I think of the fans. What it means for the landscape of basketball in this city and in this country, I think it's a pretty big step back. I know that this was an incredible run, and again, nothing gets taken away, but Kawhi re-signing would have been 
almost as big as the championship itself. The idea that the Raptors could have been relevant, especially if it would have been a, a deal with term. I do get the sense from seeing this that term was more important to Kawhi Leonard than we probably thought. That the one and one and the two and ones and all the machinations of how he was going to get his money down the line, he probably, after missing a full season of basketball, had that top of mind more than, than we thought. That term was probably a little bit more important. Did you get your hopes up when he came to Toronto? I didn't talk to you because we did that podcast in that morning and we didn't come back that day. We were planning on it. We thought we were going to be doing the Kawhi Signs in Toronto podcast. Why else would the board man fly in from California to Toronto on the company jet? Why else would he be at a hotel with Masai Ujiri? We thought it was you know, him basically hammering out, signing on the dotted line. I think that element of it is probably making this a little bit harder. Not as though you losing Kawhi Leonard sucks, no matter how you lose Kawhi Leonard, but that he came to Toronto and that we had the helicopter chase, that we had Jalen Rose saying 99% Kawhi is staying. I think it makes it a little tougher today because people got, people had hope. People believe that this could be real. I mean, I didn't think one thing or the other when he came to Toronto. I it was just so unusual. No, I thought that they were still in it, but I didn't think that they were leading or behind mm. because literally we knew nothing. And the whole thing that I thought throughout this entire saga is that nobody knows anything. And mm -hmm. that was proven to be true. Maybe Chris Carter could have proven to be prophetic or Jalen Rose could or the bunch of other people who had these like half stories or half reports. The real thing I thought, to be honest, was I was embarrassed journalistically on what was going on. Hmm. The fact that people were standing outside a hotel for hours on end talking about how many entrances there are in the hotel or what the flight plan could have been or whether or not Kawhi went down or up an escalator. Like, it was really embarrassed. People were making reports on literally nothing. Well, the one was embarrassing where it said, report, man thinks he saw Kawhi. Did you see that one? Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Real G's moving silence. And Chris Haynes didn't say anything. Wode yep. said very few things, but prefaced everything with, these teams are keeping it tight-lipped. And what I thought was that he was still open because I don't know about you, but getting on a flight at 5 a.m. local to go across the country to meet with someone who I have no intention on working with in the future is something I would not do. Right, exactly. So that that's all that I took from it is that he was still open. But who knows? It sounded like he was in this city for a while. I heard that the that was part of it too. The next day, that a local establishment here in uh, Toronto, a little Mexican spot, the rooftop was reserved for the night for a lot of money for two people: one Drake and one Kawhi Leonard. So, oh, is that like Drake's going to have a crew come through and show Kawhi a good time, or is this like a thank you farewell? Like, what what does that mean? Could be, it could mean literally both things, or it could mean nothing. Can I hit you with my theory? Sure. Because this was kind of where I was at with it all along. I did have a moment where I was a little worried about the Lakers, but I came on this podcast and I told you that it was difficult for me to envision the pitch from the Lakers unless he, we really didn't know anything, anything, anything about Kawhi, which we know very little, but I think we found out a couple of things with the signing. One was that geography was very important to him. Two is that he does value organizational structure because he did go to a team that values more smart front office, a really good owner, and not being in the limelight and all the drama all the time. That he did not want to create the three-headed super team and play second fiddle to LeBron James. He wanted to be the guy. And the other part of it was term, that 
he really did want those four years. He was not willing to go and do the one and one and run it back. I, I really do believe that the injury that he sustained and missing a season and only playing nine games. I think we overestimated, I'll say this, I think we overestimated the idea that he looked at Kevin Durant and other guys getting their money despite having an injury and saying, yeah, no, it's fine. I'll run that risk. I'll take that shot. But I always thought the Clippers were the lead dog throughout the season. It just, that that always seemed like it was the play. There was too much smoke. But when they struck out in free agency and they didn't get anybody, it was, there's no way that Kawhi can justify going to the, the Clippers when they don't have a chance, not a, a chance, but it would be really, really tough for that Clippers team to win. If it was just Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George in the roster as is, I would have put them somewhere around 3-4 in the Western Conference. I think that would have been pretty fair as to where they would start off with the ceiling of being the winners. They struck out. They went to the wall. They tried to inquire about Bradley Beal. They tried to inquire about other stars and trying to surround Kawhi with somebody. And once he got a secondary superstar there, it was just, that was a wrap. There was just nothing Toronto could do. They were fighting geography, and they were also fighting a team that now was established to set up over his four-year run. I think if it wasn't the Clippers, and the reason that he was here, or part of the reason anyways, was if the Clippers didn't get that Paul George deal done, that he's a Raptor. Thoughts? I mean, who knows? Who knows? Because if he wanted to... Sure, we don't know. I'm just speculating. If he wanted to team up with another superstar, the Raptors are the one team of the three where that would not have been the case. Unless... Masai Jury was willing to give up Pascal Siakam plus, 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 plus. And from the sounds of it, he didn't have the stomach to do it, or he thought that he was just a leverage player. I don't think that the Oklahoma City deal was real for Toronto. I believe the negotiations were real. Wojnarowski reporting, for those of you that don't know, after the Clippers made the deal, it was reported by Woj that the Raptors were in discussions to acquire both Paul George and Russell Westbrook but that it would have centered around a Siakam deal and a bunch of different picks. But I also saw Woj tweet, you know, they just, they didn't have the asset capital that the Clippers did. That was always one of the advantages that LA had was they had all these picks. They had Shea Gilgis Alexander. They'd acquired a bunch of those picks in the Philadelphia trade for Tobias Harris and the Blake Griffin trade. They were just loaded. They they had all these assets to move and go and get Paul George. I don't think, and I tweeted this this morning. I don't think that there is any scenario where Masai Ujiri had a deal on the table for Kawhi, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook and said, no, I think he would have done it. I think that if that was possibility, if they they had the assets, they would have got that done. But they just don't. Like, look at what the Clippers gave up for Paul George. The Raptors don't have that, even with Siakam. Even if you value Siakam as, say, the Miami pick and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and another pick, that's going so far into the Raptors' future. You're basically saying, hey, all of our first-round picks for the rest of the eternity, they're yours. That's what the Thunder did. Right, so if you were willing to to potentially take back Russell Westbrook and his contract, if if if, but if you were willing to do that, and if you're willing to put Siakam in the deal, who for starters is a better player than Gallinari, is a better prospect than Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yep. So the the difference at this point is some filler to make the money somewhat match and, and the amount of, and the amount of picks. The other way. Kyle Lowry would have had to go the other way in that deal to make the money work. Well, well certainly Sam Presti, you, yeah. you, you have another point guard and you have him coming off the books. That makes sense. Obviously, there'd be a positional redundancy because yep. you're not going to have Kyle Lowry and Russell Westbrook on the same team and you probably don't want them in the same locker room. So I asked the question, I quote tweeted Woj's tweet about it, asking Raptors fans, if you had to take Westbrook and give up Siakam to get this done, would you do it? And the response is 50-50. Oh, I would have... Some people say... 
10 times out of 10 and twice on Sunday, if you get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I don't care about yep. the rest. Agree. You're a championship contender. I'm in that camp. And then some people say, no, Pascal Siakam is outstanding. He's getting better. You've got your financial future ahead of you. Keep your, your ink dry and go after Giannis in 2021, You're not in the Siakam camp. You would have, you'd have to throw again. Like I said, I think it would have to be every single future first round pick the franchise ever has for me to turn down any type of a deal that doesn't keep Kawhi here and Paul George here with some term as a general life rule. I believe that a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. So, right. So keep Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, then all those picks. Correct. Of course. But you also have to be assured that if you make the deal that it's, it's term, it's not, these guys are doing one year, by the way, these are the picks that they gave up. It's a 2021 Miami unprotected pick. 2022, I think that's supposed to be the double cohort year, right? 2022? Uh, I think so. Sounds right. That's the Clippers unprotected pick. 2023 Miami top 14 protected. 2023, there's a pick swap. 2024 LA Clippers unprotected pick. 2025, a pick swap. 2026 LA Clippers unprotected. Quite the haul. <laughs> like, that's a lot. But it is, but it is a lot. I just lo- don't think it, the Raps had that. It is a lot, but it's not a lot when you consider you're not trading that for Paul George. You're trading that for yeah. Paul George oh, and oh, Kawhi the Leonard. Clippers, Clippers fans are ecstatic right now. That's what I'm saying. If you're a Raptors fan, of course you would have done that deal. And it's why I don't believe such a deal existed. I really will never be convinced that if Masai Ujiri was able to pull the trigger on a deal that acquired those three players and they were going to be here with term, that he wouldn't have pulled, that he wouldn't have done it. It would be done. He would have executed that deal without a question. That's one of the things I think you have to feel most confident about if you're a Raptors fan, right? Is that... They did everything possible, and they had the right man at the head of the wheel, right? And Masai Ujiri was their main pitch man in this. He was the one that was running the operation. He was the one that was looking over these machinations. He's the one that's meeting with Kawhi Leonard in his camp. And one thing I've always said about Drake is I have to believe that Drake is somewhat influential in these things because otherwise Masai Ujiri would never let him even close to a free agent like Kawhi Leonard. He would not be having him a part of these pitch meetings. So I just I feel like Toronto did everything they could possibly do they had the best guy in the business trying to pitch Kawhi Leonard on being here. I just don't think there was any scenario. He wanted to be home. He wanted to be a Clipper. He wanted to be a Clipper all along. I wonder what the background dealings with were with Paul George, though. That's kind of interesting, right? Is If you're what Russell Westbrook, don't you feel really cheated on? Paul George is meeting with Kawhi Leonard behind your back in California and trying to figure out how he's going to go play for the Clippers a year after saying that we have unfinished business. So to go back, yep. your point on Drake, I don't think it was coincidence that Drake was on Kawhi Leonard's float throughout the parade. There, there, there was an OVO exclusive, not float or bus, I should say, but like flatbed truck mm-hmm. with like a couch on it, which could have been all of Drake's and Drake's alone. I don't think it was coincidence that of all the player floats, he was on Kawhi's. He was a part of the recruitment. We, we know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. I do think that Masai is a guy who measures... Measures like four times and cuts once. And, and I don't know necessarily. After talking about that, you're all about culture and team and fit and playing in a style that makes sense in the year 2019 and having a no a hole rule for people you bring into your organization. I then don't know if it makes sense to say, all right, okay, but I'll take Russell Westbrook if there's a gun to my head. But you could have taken Russell Westbrook and then also tried to flip him somewhere else because at this point, I don't know what Russell Westbrook is. I texted and then Fred you, Van Vliet's your point guard? Well, or acquire somebody else and, and try to figure out what you're going to get back in that Russell Westbrook trade with, with money coming in. But I would say 
I texted you guys this morning saying, who's the best team that would want, want Russell Westbrook right now? The Los Angeles Lakers. If they had the cap space, they would take him in a heartbeat. They just can't because the Anthony Davis trade is going to go through sometime today. Okay. So unless unless there's another no. trade for, so, for Sam Presti to an L.A. team, but I would say the Lakers would take him, so no question. I, I agree. The Lakers would take him. Who would trade for him? Who would want to trade for him? The Lakers can't. You're right. They would. They don't have enough guys filling out that roster. They just missed out on their max plot. They gave Danny Green, who we haven't even talked about in this podcast, but they gave him the $30 million contract over a couple of seasons. I don't know who would trade for Russell Westbrook and what you would be willing to give up. My answer was the Orlando Magic. That's as far down as I went on the list of, hey, you're kind of a competitive team. You would try to put him with Vucevic. You could give maybe one young guy in a, in a contract and try to figure it out and, and go get Russell Westbrook and take that shot that he would give your organization a shot in the arm. Russell Westbrook is going to be entertaining for fans. Fans are going to love him. I, I'm very unconvinced that you can win with Russell Westbrook as one of your best two players. I think now whether or not they have the ability to do it is one thing, mm -hmm. but I think the Miami Heat would certainly think about I it. I think they would as well. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves would certainly think about but that's it. That's what I'm saying is that these are not really good teams. Like those are not well, contenders. Those are teams that would be taking a shot in the dark to do it. Right. But they're teams that we wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs next year. No, they would make the playoffs. What my, my point is more that the Milwaukee Bucks right now are not looking and saying, wow, Russell Westbrook's available. Maybe we should try to package a couple of guys together. They're like, no, 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 we're set. We don't need a Russell Westbrook. The Philadelphia 76ers, who don't really have, I would say, a true point guard on their roster, they're not looking at this saying, oh, we should try to balance out our roster. We should try to figure something else. We should try to flip somebody. I think they would rather have a guy like Tobias Harris on his contract than acquire Russell Westbrook at $45 million over the next two seasons with a player option in 2022. Yeah, I don't know about that. Do, I, do I, was, like, I was with you until the Tobias Harris part. I just, I don't like Russell Westbrook's fit with any team that wants to win. He just sabotages everything that you want to do. And what do you need to know? He was just with Paul George. Didn't work out. He was with Victor Oladipo. Oladipo was terrible. Traded for as cents on the dollar. He was with Kevin Durant. They never got over the hump. It's just, he's 30 years old now. And his biggest asset is that he's one of the greatest athletes on the planet. What happens when he loses a step? I don't trust Russell Westbrook. I think he has brings bad culture. I think if you're the Thunder, you're either stuck with him, you're in a really bad spot with him. With your fans, they probably love Russ. He decided to stay. You keep him, your team is going to be just good enough to win some games, not really sewer out. He's going to be unhappy that everybody left and that you traded his running mate, that he basically was the salesman to get. But if you trade him, you're not going to get any value back and people are going to say, what the hell? You just traded Russell Westbrook for nothing. Listen, I'm not going to be defense counsel for Westbrook. I agree with most of the Th things That sounds you like said. you're setting up for the defense counsel for Russell Westbrook. No, but I mean, you have to draw the line somewhere. And Tobias Harris okay. has been traded literally every place that he's been. He was invisible against the Raptors in the playoffs. And the Philadelphia 76ers go home at night and go to sleep and they pray to God every single night that Ben Simmons becomes a taller version of Russell Westbrook. That's so, it so, 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 you so would, to say you, that they, they would do that trade. You think the Sixers today, if the Thunder called, they said, we'll do Toby Harris for Russell Westbrook right now. The Sixers say yes. They're both max players. One has been traded everywhere he's been. The other averaged a triple-double in a season. Yeah. So yeah, Exactly, I mean, exactly. And he's going to try to average a triple-double again on the Sixers. They're going to be trying to win ball games, and Russell Westbrook's going to be flying in over Joel Embiid's shoulder trying to grab boards. But he's he, Yes, but he's still flawed, certainly. Yeah. A fit in today's basketball? No. An elite talent? A physical specimen? Yes. Better than Tobias Harris? Yes. Then why wouldn't you do it if you're the Raptors? Because the Raptors right now, don't you think there would be something on the table with... The Raptors take Kyle Lowry, Norm Powell, and they 
I don't know, let's say they do have to attach a pick. Let's say the Thunder wants something else to get out of that contract. You give up Norm and Kyle's expiring. Why wouldn't you take on Russell Westbrook then? The Raptors did literally everything right outside of their fans stopping. No, totally. I'm just saying, as of right now, like the, with with moving no, forward, no, we can no, transition this into what the Raptors no, 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 do now. No, I get that. My point is the reason why you wouldn't do it if you're Masai is if you're sitting there saying, "Listen, we did everything right. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that if we do this, Kawhi Leonard is still going to be here and happy for the long term. Thus, why why do we want to bring the Enigma, Cancer, whatever you want to describe him?" into our locker room and that money mm-hmm. when that now, now we're done. This is our ceiling forever and ever. Amen. I, I, I think that's part of the calculation, but again, it's the divisive issue because as I said, the fans of the team are 50, 50 on it. I don't know. I mean, unless you feel confident that you can go into free agency, I mean, next year, the class is not great. So, I mean, you by the way, co- you said the Giannis thing. Why is that a thing? I don't believe that for a second. Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be able to sign the max max. And he, by all indications, loves Milwaukee. They're going to be competitive again next year. I think they're probably the favorites in the Eastern Conference now. And he has he stands to make something like a quarter of a bill over his next tenure with the Milwaukee Bucks. So, Why is that a rumor that all of a sudden Toronto will be in the mix just because Masai Ujiri saw him first? Like well, I don't get this one. Well, one, I mean, Kawhi Leonard could have made the max max. Paul George yeah. could have made the max max. Like literally, we're seeing guys no, all across Kawhi the league had money to do, on the table. I know, but Kawhi would have had to do the two plus one. He would have had to take two years to no, get No, no, I'm t- talking about before when he was in San Antonio. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm saying we've seen stars. Anthony Davis. I mean, Charlotte wasn't going to offer it to him, but Kemba Walker. We've seen stars leave, mm-hmm. and there's going to be... This This year's critical, because if the Bucks win the championship, all bets are off. Mm-hmm. But we see it with our stars where there's a pendulum that swings. He's fresh. He's nice. He could be a great player. He's coming to his own. Oh, he's the best player in the league. We love him. He's really fun. But wait a minute. He hasn't won. He hasn't won a championship. The situation isn't the best. When that pendulum swings and he's now being criticized for not winning, could he look and say, well, what situation can I eradicate this from my narrative and can I go somewhere else? And so the Bucks, who this is their team now moving mm-hmm. forward, it's basically the same team, Ada Lopez minus Brogdon. If that team isn't good enough to win a championship over the next year and a half, two years, could we find, and it's not as bad as with the Pelican situation in AD where they sometimes wouldn't make the playoffs, but could we find ourselves in a situation where Giannis is a unrestricted free agent and he's looking at his suitors and one of them is Toronto, this international city for the game's biggest international star who was eligible to be in the draft thanks partially to Masai and the fact that he helped his family get Greek citizenship. Could you make a pitch? Could you take Giannis? No, you can to make a, a pitch. I'm just saying meeting on the Danforth. Yeah, a hundred percent, you could. It so, just feels Knicks ish. It makes me feel very Knicks fan ish to start thinking about you know freezing classes a couple of years down the line, and and that's the way that this team is going to build. I, I get that there will be a pitch for it. I just I was kind of surprised that it was like keep your cap space open for 2021. I was like, what's what are you talking about here? Like, is it not keeping cap space open for you? Well, for what, but what's the alternative? So they, well, they, they're not going to be bad enough to build no, no, through no. the draft. No, no, no. And then, I, of and course you try to get a meeting with Giannis. I'm just saying that I don't think that that's a realistic plan that you build around and you see the the potential for how damaging that can be with an organization like the Knicks when you do business that way. Quickly, you just made me realize, I really like this about the league right now, even with the Raptors losing Kawhi Leonard, that it's just pairs everywhere, right? It's going to be KD and Kyrie. It's going to be LeBron and AD. It's going to be Paul George and Kawhi. It's going to be Chris Paul and James Harden. 
It's going to be Draymond next year with Steph. It's oh, going to be CJ McCollum and Clay. Yeah, but Clay comes down the line, and I'm just saying in terms of actual superstar players, these these superstars are. There's a lot of tandems around the league right now. There's not one clear favorite, but Giannis is running mate. When you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, I guess Chris Middleton now. And yeah, maybe he'll evaluate that in a year and say, uh, I don't want to be that. But would Siakam be that big of an upgrade? I don't know. He'd have to take quite quite the step for me to think that that would be the case, that that would be the running mate that he would want to pursue. But let's let's get into that. Where do the Raptors go from here? Because I think that's probably the question people have front of mind today. Is it a rebuild? Do you try to tear it down? Do you try to run this thing back in whatever the version without Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green is? I, what would you be? What would be the thing that you want to see first? The, the step they want to take. It up. Do you think they can Blow do that? Though? TNT. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen. It's too late now because any team who had cap space has virtually used it. There's no team who has the space to take back a Kyle Lowry, a Marcus Gasol at twenty five million dollars, a Serge Ibaka. So there, there aren't really dance partners at this point. If a team was going to take back that money, they'd probably want you to take some long-term money back, which, again, you don't want to do. So keep that money saved for you, honest. Can I pitch you one? Just out of curiosity, would you, uh, would you do it? If it meant getting those guys off Long-term money. Well, it would. You'd be getting... So the Boston Celtics currently have Ennis Cantor as their center. I don't think they have anybody else. They may have looked at the Raptors run and said, Marcus Gasol looked pretty good defending Joel Embiid. That was a nice asset to have. Or that Serge Ibaka had some real moments in the postseason. We'll take one of those expiring contracts and we'll take either Gasol or Serge and you take back Gordon Hayward. If you're the Raptors, did you, would you do that? Do you say yes? Probably not. No, eh? So I you want to keep He's that long-term t- cap space? You wouldn't roll the dice it's on not Gordon even Hayward about that. year two? No, it's not about... It's, even when you're good, let's say you get good. Like, Gordon Hayward That is, was the best trade I could come up is with. Is damaged terms. goods. Sure, but that we saw with like, Paul George after year one, you stink, and then year two, he settled back in. He's the guy where you're at the the store and you're like, can you bring this box back to the back and give me a fresh one? Even- what guy in the store is that? When have you well, ever I, done that in your life? Oh, Take I want this fr- box back. No, to I want. If I'm buying something, I want a fresh box. You <laughs> kidding me? This box back. Uh, I'll never go into a grocery store with you. I, mean, he's so I want a fresh box. No, no, he's no fresh they, box. No, you know, everyone knows the box that like this was a hardcore return that was in the back of someone's trunk for two and a half months. There's like <laughs> random tape all over it. You're like, I don't what think you this has never at the been grocery used. store that's been in. That's been in a box. I say, no, oh, it's, it's I not a say grocery store. store. Just I just didn't anything. want to say the name of a store okay. because sales will You're be right. all over me. You're right. Sales would be all over you. So I had the name of a store in my mind. I just didn't want it to come I out. I probably it wouldn't would... do it either because I like the idea of Masai Ujiri finally getting his chance to build this organization from the ground up. I don't think it's the worst thing to go into the season with the Kyle Lowry, the Serge Ibaka, the Marcus Gasol contracts and say, these guys are open for business. They're going to try to compete, but that on the fly, they could very much do what the Clippers did last year, which was try to be competitive, try and get a playoff spot, but also they traded Tobias Harris when a team came calling and said, we'd like to give you future assets for this to try to set you up for the future. I think that's the realistic play here. I just don't know how, what they go and do to fill out some of this roster because now you look at who do they have at shooting guard? It's just Norm Powell. There's no secondary shooting guard. Maybe you start Fred Van Vliet now, but that means that you've just, now you have no backup point guard. You don't have a second point guard. Don't disrespect Matt Thomas like that. Yeah, but who's your three? You start OG Ananobi next to Siakam and then... Who's behind him? I guess you're resigning Patrick McCaw. It's just there's there's some there's some roster spots to be had here. The Raptors are going to try to add some guys. It's going to be interesting if they try to go with like the flyer on potential 
guys that are out on the free agent market or if they just try to fill them with veteran guys to plug some spots. But does any of that matter? No, honestly. Like it's this is going to be veteran minimum city because you don't want long term deals again. And, no, you and don't. You want one year deals. You're in this purgatory of fighting for the sixth seed or seventh right. or eighth. And so, does it matter what your shooting guard depth no, is? This is what's so crushing, I think, in the Kawhi Leonard thing for Raptors fans is Siakam and OG and Anobi next year will be interesting stories. There's no doubt about it. It will be great and entertaining to watch their progression. But people here have now seen what a true champion looks like and what it means to have one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player on the planet, on your team. And you can no longer sell this market on, hey, this is good. This team make the playoffs. This team's going to be solid. They might get a home court advantage in the first round. Hey, maybe you can be the Pacers. Maybe you can be what Victor Oladipo was supposed to be last year, whether the scrappy team that's third in the standings and takes the regular season a little bit more seriously than other teams. Nobody wants that anymore. That's that's over. It's just all about building championships. And I think the only way for the Raptors to do this moving forward now is there's no Kawhi Leonard on the market for them to go and acquire with future first. So now it is the, unfortunately, how do you build this team when Siakam, OG, and Anobi are likely going to be a one-two punch that are too good? And Fred Van Vliet, sorry, I should say all three of those guys. I think that's the core. Those three guys are going to be too good to be cellar dwellers. I don't think that those three guys, you miss the playoffs basically every year, especially with Masai Ujiri filling out the rest of this roster. The fact that they won a championship is exactly why you can be patient. You don't have to overreact and you don't have to run uphill trying to fight an NBA that is now stacked with, by my count, nine, maybe 10, 11 teams that could win a championship in the next two years. You have a grace period, a honeymoon period, if you will, that you can let the market reset, come back to you. Things may fall apart in Washington. Bradley Beal might say, I want out of here ASAP. Same way Anthony Davis did in the middle of last year. So it, you may not have to wait all the way for, for Giannis. The, the one thing that we le- know about this league is that it's never settled. Mm-hmm. And so would I take money back to get rid of those guys? No, because then you're just cutting off your nose to spite your face. But I think the trade deadline in this market is going to be very interesting. There's an injury at the point guard position or at the center position around the NBA for teams that are close. Imagine if Mike Conley goes down with a year-ending injury. Right, that's what I'm saying. You, God you, forbid, you slow roll this. You can then move Lowry at that point, move Ibaka, move Gasol. But I think you you do it with respect. Allow these guys to come back, have a ring ceremony, put up a banner, have some great memories. People are doing a beautiful photo essay about this team and you're going to have the champagne still in fans eyes for a little bit. And then you reset in the off season a year from now and, and more realistically in the off season two years from now. I'm with you. I think that Masai Ujiri has already gone over again, faith in Masai, faith in Masai. He's already gone through all the different machinations. He knows exactly what he's going to do with this roster. has a pretty good idea, at least what he's going to do with those veteran contracts, but there's no rush. There's no, oh, you need to trade Kyle Lauer right now. You need to trade Serge Ibaka right now. Their value is higher. No, we don't know that. We don't know what the market is like for any of those guys. And there's nothing wrong with, like you said, coming out and starting the season with the guys who just won you a championship and letting them play and try to prove something to the rest of the league that they are more than just a Kawhi Leonard team. Of course, that, yeah, see, I, that's where you lose me. But why? What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do before the season? There's no move. Pride that this comes team, before the fall. Like, what, like you're not proving. You have the ring. You I have know. Delario B. You, what are you, you are. proving? What you're proving is that you are a team that is proud to come back in the iteration, even without Kawhi Leonard, and that you want him to feel like, oh, you shouldn't have left this core, that this is still a really good core. You could have won. The Clippers won 48 games last year. Yep. 
They played really tough. They took the healthy Warriors mm-hmm. to six games. If How they, dare you say if, the healthy if, Warriors if they, like that? If they, well, it's, but it's a fact. How dare you, sir? It's a fact. That's <laughs> rude. The <laughs> so rude to the Raptors what? championship. No, it's yeah. something that the, the, the Blazers Warriors, weren't able yeah. to do. The Thunder weren't able to do. None of that matters mm-hmm. if they don't get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. None of it matters. So what they do next year, to me, really is immaterial. What they have the opportunity to do now with the championship logo on the back of their jersey is continue to be evaluated like a first-class franchise Mm -hmm. in the wake of losing a star. Because as we wrap this conversation and we look league-wide, my biggest takeaway from all of this, the best team in the five boroughs in the Metropolitan of New York is the Brooklyn Nets, not the New York Knicks. Not the incumbent dominant team in the space. The best team in the Staples Center as of today is the Los Angeles Clippers, not the Lakers. The two dominant franchises that everyone said is going to get free agents all of the time missed out once again. Why? Because their leadership at times has been broken, if not inept. Who are the free agent winners this offseason? Brooklyn Nets, Clippers, as I mentioned, the Utah Jazz the Indiana Pacers. So what we've, we've learned is that stars can sell shoes anywhere. Mm-hmm. They can be big and become all stars anywhere. But what really matters is how you run your front office and what you provide that store, star in terms of your analytics, in terms of your, your health and wellness, your practice facility. The Nets and the Clippers are first class in all of those things. Also are the Raptors. So to me, this is evaluation of the franchise more than anything over the next year. And not basically falling off a cliff, still running their business first class. Because this offseason has proven to me that it's not just about geography or location or how big the billboard's going to be or, or how much the, the suites are sold for. It's about the actual basketball fit because guys are making decisions that don't make sense. Even guys are choosing to stay in situations. Joel Murray staying in Denver. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard staying in Portland. Not big markets. Those organizations run their business properly, thus they get rewarded by getting their business done early. And I think that's a real reason to be optimistic if you are a Raptors fan. I keep saying it and I keep gassing him up, but it's because, again, I believe in him so much, but that you have Masai Ujiri, you have Bobby Webster, you have an ownership group now that is willing to spend money when it's needed, you have a banner in the building, you have that championship pedigree that now comes with Masai Ujiri. There is that allure of, I will figure out how to build a champion around you or to build a champion again. So you're right. If you are trying to attract free agents in the future or you're trying to keep free agents in the future, I think there is a lot of value to being an organization like the Raptors where there is stability and there is organizational intelligence. I think the rest of the league is catching up. You just recited a lot of examples of some pretty good places. The Clippers followed suit. Kind of a sneaky thing that's lost in this is how impactful Jerry West has been for multiple franchises. Jerry his, West is undefeated. Well, his his he gets to stay the logo forever now because not only was he a great player, but he is arguably the greatest executive in NBA history. Lakers, he brought in Shaq and Kobe. He created basketball in Memphis, essentially. He helped build an organization that lured Kawhi Leonard. He's infallible at this point. You're forgetting about the Golden State Warriors. Right. And, yeah, sorry. and convincing them not to trade Clay Thompson for, yes, Kevin, for Love. Kevin Love. Every organization that he's been with as an executive has gotten better when he got there and gotten worse when he left. Mm-hmm. Now, the Warriors, I mean, worse is relative, but they're still their best times were when he was there in the room. We'll see how they rebound. But 
the organizational IQ and the decorum with which you handle your business, not banning media members from your locker room, not leaking ridiculous stories that's about what I mean. I players that you a, don't that's a sign. one-off organization now. Think about all who, the... Who is? The Knicks. I'm no, just no, saying... The, the, the Lakers are not, not Yeah, you're not right. The Lakers, the Lakers are close, but yeah, I think if you look across the league, front offices are getting smarter. They The, the places especially that do not have geography... As their advantage, they're they're trying to figure things out and, and they're trying to change a little bit. You see this even across all sports. Look at the New York Yankees, the way that they run their business now. As not just an organization that says spend, spend, spend with their Steinbrenners. They are built for both. They are both a destination, but also a really well-run organization with Brian Cashman at the helm. We'll circle back to the Raptors as we finish this. And I've already seen a lot of this on Twitter it doesn't even make me mad because the people who no, please don't say the DeRozan thing. Who say it are just you're not doing that. They're just dumb. Don't validate that. No, there are people who believe that this reinforces the stereotype that star American player doesn't want to be in Toronto and Canada long term. So Damon Stoudemire mm. and Marcus Camby and Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter and Chris Bosh and now Kawhi Leonard all decide they're going to leave. And thus, this is a place where American stars never will want to stay. And I can see how you can draw the correlation, even though it's a fallacy. And here's why. Hmm. Did those guys leave Canada? Yes. Is part of our inferiority complex and the fact that people will talk about the taxes and cable TV channels and customs, is that part of our inferiority complex as a fan base and as people? Yes. Did we, the North, be born through that? That fear and actually became a mantra and a battle cry? Yes. Mm-hmm. But the difference is those players did not just leave this country or this city or this franchise. They left at times a franchise that was broken, that was in shambles, that didn't put them in great situations at times, and for long stretches was not very good. None of those things are the case right now. Mm-hmm. So this is not Kawhi Leonard saying no to Canada or to the Raptors. He's saying, thank you, but I'm going home. So if we can love the fact that John Tavares wants to come to Toronto and love the fact that Mike Badcock wants to come to Canada because he's, he's not from Toronto, from <laughs> Saskatchewan. If we can love that was very those... generous of putting Mike Babcock into the conversation with Tavares and Kawhi, but yes, yeah, sorry, go on. Well, but, but, but I think if you're in Detroit, you felt upset when mm-hmm. he left. But you understood because he was going mm-hmm. to a situation that made sense in, yep. in the grand scheme of things. You cannot place Kawhi leaving with any of those other things because it is literally apples and oranges. And even though he left, the franchise is so much better today because he was here than it was at this time a year ago. I think you're right, but it is an interesting conversation to have. Is it? Well, I think there's something to it. One is that clearly this guy wanted to be home. He wanted, he's a California kid. He wanted to be there. Will we see guys like RJ Barrett? Will we see Canadians in the future feel the same pull to come back up North and play basketball? Will we see a Jamal Murray at the end of what, what did he sign a five-year extension? I believe so. At the end of his five-year extension, will a guy like Jamal Murray feel compelled to want to be back in the six to come back to his area? We haven't seen that before. We haven't had Canadian basketball players of, you know, the only time that it was ever presented was Steve Nash, and he did not come back to Canada. He signed with the Lakers to stay down with his kids. Will that happen for Toronto? Will they have that same advantage? Two is that, yeah, I think Kawhi wanted to be home, and so it's not an indication of Toronto not being a good place because he at least considered it quite 
Like, I think he really did believe Toronto at one point was going to be the, the landing spot or there was going to be a running back. But, but, but you he, didn't retain a star after you won a championship. Like, it, it's a something. But he, I wonder if you were somewhere else, if you, what it would be like. But he also went home and went to a better team. He just didn't say, peace, yeah. I'm going to lose. <sighs> he did. He the went team, to a better team. He went to a much better team. I would say this, too, about the, like, since you said that, I don't think the league is as wide open as we thought it was and that that Clippers team is by far, by far, by far the favorites next year now. Really? Oh, yeah. A, there are offensive questions on how they're going to fit. Lou Williams needs the ball. But, Paul but you don't really Leonard play Lou with them. Lou comes off the bench and he plays with Trez and Montrez Harrell and you let them basically go to town on second units. You're but still going to load he, manage Kawhi for 60. Like he's going to play 60 games next year. You get to load manage Paul George in the same way. And those two guys basically get buckets for you off the bench. Stylistically, what type of team are they? Are they pick and roll? Are they, They're defense. Are they... They're the same thing as the Raptors. They go defense first. They go Patrick Beverly. They go Kawhi Leonard. They go Paul George. They drafted Kevin Gelly this year, the center from Canada, the, the nephew of Dikembe Mutombo. They have Zubac. They have, who am I missing here? I mean, you Montrez Harrell. You lost me with Zubac, but sure. No, but I'm just saying they have a, their identity is going to be very similar as to the Raptors. Is it going to be a defense first team? And what their offense will be is also very simple. It's going to be Paul George and Kawhi Leonard playing in isolation like they have their entire careers and getting buckets in isolation and taking turns. Like, that's what it's going to be. I don't think that Lou Williams is on the floor for that team in crunch time. I really don't. I think it's Patrick Beverly that's out there. I think they're both out there. But, I mean, the point is, yes, I agree that the Clippers are the favorite. I, I, I don't think they're the far and away favorite because... There are a lot of interesting teams. The, there are. I the, just the, think the, that the Sixers the are interesting. One. The Warriors, whenever they get healthy, are interesting. Houston has been for long stretches the second best team in the league. They're, they're still going to be interesting. But the, but the Clippers are deeper than Houston. They are with superstars that are younger and in their prime more so than Houston because Chris Paul is at the very end of his career. I'll say this: Don't forget that Paul George last year was for a long stretch of the season the MVP. People thought, oh man, in a year where there was James Harden and there was Giannis Antetokounmpo. No, he, wasn't, the, he wasn't the real MVP. The, the he was the guy stretch. who got mentioned in, oh, so-and-so was an MVP Dude, conversation, a, but he, he wasn't was, really. And he finished the league third. He finished last year third, despite having an injury that basically changed the course of his season for the last month. And that'll be an interesting subplot too, is like what his injury is moving forward, how bad that shoulder is. But you have two guys who are some of the best isolation scores in all of basketball two guys that are two of the best defenders in all of basketball. Like you're basically the same thing. You have Pascal Siakam beside you, except for it's Pascal Siakam with three point shot and the ability to shoot off the bounce. I look at them and say they have depth. They can rest their stars. They've got secondary scoring with guys like Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell off the bench. You know, that's a, a dynamic duo that works. They were just the six men of the year. You've got arguably the best defensive point guard in the NBA with Patrick Beverly to, to tandem with these two guys. I don't really see where the hole is. I can find holes on just about every single roster in the NBA right now. They are the best one-two punch from a star power standpoint. They've got secondary scoring off the bench and they're super deep and they have an identity already, which is defense first. I just, I think they're, they're clear cut favorites. I would say if I was stacking the NBA as of today, after we've seen everything in the way that things have sh shook out, they are number one. Then there's a big gap and then it's Milwaukee and the Sixers and the Warriors and they're all kind of in a clump below. For them to be clear-cut favorites, it has to be a massive letdown if they lose a championship. And although they'll personally be upset, it's not like it's a massive letdown. When Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, mm -hmm. they didn't win a championship. No, they're not that, but we've never seen that before. That was the most dominant team in NBA history in terms yeah. of being a favorite. That's what a clear-cut favorite is. So are they the best team? Yes. Mm -hmm. But are they miles ahead of everyone else? No. We're getting 
too in the weeds about offensive stylistic play by the Los Angeles Clippers. There's going to be lots of time to talk about it or not talk about it. But this is is not a day of mourning. This is a day for me of respect. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Kawhi. I am in mourning. (laughs) I've missed Kawhi already. This was helpful, though. This was a little therapeutic. Thanks to everybody who listened. Leave a review. Share it on Twitter. Do all those nice things. See you soon.